Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and Dan. Uh, my name is Dan Martin. I am a Biffa losing special <laughs> effects artist. How long is that going to carry Forever. on? Forever. <laughs> uh, I'm also quite a good cook. You are. Yeah, but he, he really is though. Um, and uh, it's what I would have done, you know, if I wasn't going to special effects. Hmm. Uh, also, I'm vegetarian though, so like... You know, my options are limited for employment. Well, back then, back when I was a, back when I was a teenager, when I was making my choices. I mean, I, I, I right, we're already off track. This needs to be snappy. I prefer what you do now, but anyway, yes, yeah, it uh, does. And I am joined as ever by my beautiful co-host. I mean, I like that. Let's let's talk about that as much as possible. I, I am <laughs> Sam Ashurst, and I am a. You know, uh, an award winner. Um, Fright Fest gave me a, a, well, Total Film gave me an award at Fright Fest 2016. Yeah. yeah. I've directed something that went on Channel 4 on telly. And in a mere couple of weeks, I'm about to direct my first feature film, which is very exciting. But before that, we need to talk about Cat and Nine Tales. Cat and um, Nine Tales. Which is uh, today's film. It's by a, a little known director by the name of Dario. Argento. Dario now, Argento. Now, those of you who've listened to our podcast before might have heard his name. I mean, quite a lot of you what listened the to the... What am I doing? I'm sorry. Quite a lot of you listened to The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Full disclosure, we are recording this back-to-back with the really long one that we did yeah. for, for the end of the year. So we're a couple of whiskeys in. Yeah. Um, we yeah, Maybe so we, we watched Cat and Nine Tales, uh, which is obviously second in the Animal Trilogy. The Animal it? Trilogy, yeah. yeah. So uh, Argento, I d- does he? I don't think he's ever s- explained them as trilogies himself. No, but like he's got the the the, the Animal Trilogy. He's got the Mothers of Darkness trilogy. Yeah. Like these are all sort of imposed upon him by other people. Although I feel like maybe Mothers of Darkness trilogy was sort of acknowledged by him. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the point is, um, Argento had made Bird with the Crystal Plumage. What's he going to do next? It's Cat and Nine Tales. It's got another animal in the title, which was really where Giallo kind of started getting that the prevalence of animals in the title. Yeah, kind of spawned out of this. They're like, oh, if Dario's doing it, we should do it. Um, it's still very Hitch... Well, I say it's still very Hitchcockian. It's the first place where he really started to flex his I love Hitchcock. Do you love Hitchcock? Uh, I love Hitchcock muscles. See, I... Um, interesting. I don't necessarily agree. Man, that car chase is straight out of To Catch a Thief. Yeah. Like, I... he's lifting scenes from Hitchcock. Like, it's, he gets more Hitchcock later. Yes, but this exactly. is But bearing in mind that the first one was essentially the Screaming Mimi... Which yeah. isn't Hitchcock. <laughs> this is where he goes. Well, where to next? They want me to do that difficult second movie. Yeah, I don't know. Hitchcock. I mean, it's Rear Window. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't. What's the, what's the listening equivalent of a window? <laughs> I, I I don't necessarily agree. I mean, I I feel like the Argento Hitchcock stuff has been slightly overstated. Um, I don't. I don't personally. I don't see it that much. Um, but like you say, this was an original story. Yep. Um, unlike Screaming Mimi. And it was essentially made because of the Bird with Crystal Plumage's success yeah. in the States, not in Italy. Uh, it wasn't a success in Italy, but it was a huge hit in the States. And Argento describes it as an appendix to Bird with Crystal Plumage. Yeah, and it's a great film um, as well. Even as a sequel, he's described it as, uh, which I don't really see. It's a thematic sequel, I guess. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, it's interesting. When I came across it, it's probably like, maybe it's, it might be the third Argento film I ever saw. 
Right. I think I think the order I saw them <laughs> was uh, Tenebrae, mm-hmm. which I wasn't particularly keen on when I first saw it, but it's now one of my favourites. Interesting. Then Bird with the Crucial Plumage, then Cat of Nine Tails. Mm-hmm. And when I was given a, a bootleg VHS of Cat of Nine Tails, when I was given Cat of Nine Tails, it kind of came with the caveat that it was uh, a, a less popular Argento. Like, it was, when I first came across it, it was described to me as, like, a not one of the big ones. Right. And it was actually one of the first ones that I remember seeing on VHS in the UK. Oh, okay. Um, and I think it's because, although it does have some quite extreme moments in it, it's not as, it's not quite as aggressive, it's not as cut-worthy mm-hmm. in the eyes of that era as some of his other stuff. Like, it's not, it's not opera. Mm. <laughs> no. It's yeah, but I really loved it. It really like, and again, I think we've we've talked about this before. I think we talked about it on the last podcast. Mm. The idea that a film, you being told too much that a film's amazing and it's going to blow your mind, can lead you to be disappointed by a film that would otherwise please you. With Bob the Crystal, uh, with um, Cat of Nine Tails, I. I, I, re- I really like it, and in, on repeat viewings, the, the the viewing I did for this to sort of beef up on it and rewatch it was, I think, maybe my fourth watching, uh, and I was pleasantly surprised to find that it stuck with me. Like I really liked it. Now, for me, this was actually drum roll, shock horror, my first watch of it. I was very surprised by um, that. Yeah, no, um, and I kind of avoided it because. Argento basically says that it's his least favourite of his own films. I so mean, that's like, astonishing. Where yeah. did he say that? Uh, <laughs> did he say that before <laughs> Trauma? <laughs> trauma's okay. Um, no, Trauma's all right. Yeah, yeah. They, there's, there's, there's interesting stuff about Trauma and there's interesting stuff about Stendhal Syndrome. Yeah. Uh, all of that stuff. Um, but then, then... And there is interesting stuff about Cato Nine Tales. Um there's, uh, I particularly like the script um, yeah. up to a certain point. And I respect the way it's a bit like a crossword puzzle where the kind of clues go kind of up and down. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah, I see that. Uh, and well, and the character writes, the blind lead writes crossword puzzles. It, well, exactly, yeah. And, and, and you know, I, I kind of like that. And I feel like maybe an influence on Inside Number 9 to a certain extent, but... Probably my favourite sequence is probably everyone's favourite sequence, the train station scene. I love the train station um, scene. And I, I actually watched this film with my new housemates. Um, betrayal. How did they feel about um, that? Well, it was interesting. It was uh, uh, Lisa and you, Natalie, uh, my uh, new housemates. And it was Lisa's first ever Argento film. Wow. Um, and, and she really enjoyed it. And I was like, well, wait until you see Deep Red. Yeah, because <laughs> fuck me, you've got the best to come. Yeah, I said to her that basically Deep Red has the best twist in any film ever. Yeah, pretty much. I think that's, that's, that's fair Definitely the best, how the fuck did I not get that? Exactly. That must be a fake out. Exactly. Oh my God, it's not a fake out. And, and that's what makes it the yeah. best. But yeah, when we, we watched the, the train sequence, um, they basically uh, cried out in uh, disgust and glee uh, <laughs> equally. Because, you know, as uh, Argento is the master of the death scene, I'd say that's fair to say. Um, and this is up there with, with some of the best. It's, um, it's fantastic. Yeah. I, I don't know. I was hoping to be able to look something up on my phone while you were talking, but you, you finished. So um, I don't remember whether Cut and Run was... I think Cut and Run was almost certainly after this. Yeah. But I think Cut and Run's train station death is better. 
so that's the thing. Like, I think Argento, you could say Argento is the king of the slightly classier death scene, but you you can't be Diodato. Well, you, you can't know. be Diodato for a death scene. Agree to disagree. I th- I think that you know there are, there are choices in this scene that make it uh, unique and and really dark. For example, the choice to include that very quick shot of the face hitting the front of the train and then yeah. going underneath. Uh, and then the spiralling is the very, spiraling very good. Yeah. Exactly. I just kind of mimed that, uh, which <laughs> you can't see. But top yeah, podcasting. Top podcasting. And, but then there's the sort of the, um, the topper, as you know, people in comedy say, of having the paparazzi photographing the, the corpse and then being distracted by the starlet that they're actually yeah, there yeah. for. And, Completely discarding. This is all classic Argento. And it's all, really good. And know, my my favorite thing about that scene unique. is that film that that scene is a microcosm of the thing that I love about Argento, which is the I know I saw something. If only I could remember it, it would unravel this whole thing. Mm. And so that scene has in it uh, a bit where they're like. Hang on a minute. Was this photograph cropped? Blow it up. Uh, then maybe there's more detail. Oh my goodness. There's yeah. So that scene in it, I don't want to spoil anything. We're going to spoil it. Later on I will spoil things, but I'll flag it. But that scene has in it a uh, a little thing which Argento became, like Deep Red, which we were talking about, is the is the quintessential moment of, I, I know I've seen something, if only I could recall it, it would un- it would be the key to this mystery. I'd, I'd say Bird is up well, but, there but, well, with but, it. Yeah, no, but, but Bird's but, yeah, amazing, yeah. but Bird is Deep, fakes it. But yeah, like, Deep Red is the build. Deep, Deep Red is the absolute apex. Yeah. But he'd done Bird with Crystal <coughs> Image recently at this point. Yeah. Um, it was very, very successful. Recent. And it's, what's interesting is to look at what carries over from Bird to this, and then what carries over from this to Four Flies on Grey Velvet, which is the third film in the Animal Trilogy, and his third film, and was unavailable for absolutely fucking ages. Is a fly an animal? What? Is a fly an animal? Are you... Are you serious? It's an insect. Is an insect not an animal? I don't know. I'm asking you. It's got a face and a mum. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to fucking eat it. <laughs> I mean, that, that doesn't work for me because I will eat pretty much any animal. But um, well, but uh, yeah, yeah, fine. But yeah, no, obviously, you're like the you're like that stewardess I had on a Air America flight where she was like. Uh, oh no, we've got, we've got a vegetarian option. Here it is. It's tuna. And I'm like, you know, no, I said, oh, I, I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm, I'm full vegetarian. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not a pescatarian. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm fully vegetarian. I love tuna. I don't eat any animals. And yeah. she says, she looked at me like I was the fucking idiot <laughs> and said, a fish isn't an animal. <laughs> I mean, and wow. bear in mind, this is an intercontinental flight, so I'm like three bottles of wine in, uh, and I just went, "What is it? A fucking rock?" She wasn't very pleased with that. Americans are nice swearing. Literally, literally, I've just typed into Google, "Is Anne right?" <laughs> Listen to me, "Is Anne right?" And the top answers are, "Is an olive a fruit?" Uh, it's a berry, I think. Number two, is an insect an animal? <laughs> You're an idiot. You are an idiot. <laughs> Number three, is an octopus a fish? No, it's a cephalopod. Well, there we go. <laughs> also, 
as you know, not to name check other much more successful podcasts, but there is technically no such thing as a fish. Like a fish is a, a non-specific, non-scientific term. <coughs> right. I take offence to you calling me an idiot on my own podcast. I'm very I, sorry, Sam. I, I, not I, you're not you're an idiot. The, not the, you. The, the autocomplete. The, I mean, the, I did the, ask the Google. Thing. I did ask exactly the same question. <laughs> Um, but I also take offence to you recommending a more successful podcast. Anyway, we're getting away from the point. Yeah, no, let's keep it tight, Sam. Let's keep, let's keep, it, keep it tight. tight. <laughs> keep it tight. So, yeah, and let's announce now we're going to go into the spoiler zone. Skip ahead five minutes, I'd say, and then, you know, we'll, we'll get to recommendations and all of that. But to pick up your point about um, how it's, you know, what did I see... With this film, more than uh, some of the other Argento mysteries, I feel like the killer does come out of nowhere to a certain extent, to a certain extent. However, there is a scene in this film which is that, oh, how did I not notice that? Do you know the scene that I mean? Well, I'm assuming you mean the hand (laughs) in the photograph. I don't. Oh, what do you mean? So, um, there's the moment where our killer explains his motive Oh, yeah, with the chromosomes. Um, With the chromosomes, (laughs) um, which I know you love, because I know you love fake science. But in that scene, what is the major clue? I don't know, Sam. You're going to have to clue me in. So, and and bear in mind, you know, this is a film that Dan has watched a few times in his younger days. So I'm coming to it uh, from an older, wiser position. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And I spotted that... um, the XYY poster, yeah. when, when he's describing, you know, the, the motive, basically, uh, spoiler alert, is red and white. Um, and our killer has a red tie and a red coat. And not only that, he stands in front of the XYY poster, therefore kind of associating himself with it. And when that happened, I was like, oh, is this is this it? That's pretty nice. That's nice. Uh, nice directing from Dario. I don't exactly. Think I, I never noticed that. Yeah. So yeah. Exactly. So and and it's literally the only clue you get in the whole film. Um, and you know, yeah, it's it's nice. I like that. Yeah. Um, more spoilers if you've just tuned back in. I you know, <laughs> want to skip another couple of minutes. I want to talk about the ending. Do it. Because so interestingly, the, I mean, the reason Four Flies was so hard to get hold of for a long time was because of a copyright dispute. It was mm-hmm. the first film yes. he did for a major studio. I think it was, was it Warner he did Four Flies for? I don't know. It was, anyway, it was a big American studio. And, um, and, and then they had a falling out. They didn't like it. There's still, like, the, there's still various different edits that have never been released. Mm. But the thing about Four Flies... And it's it's a flawed movie. I, mm. I haven't seen it as many times as I've seen most of Argento's films. Mm-hmm. It, like a like most of Argento's good periods. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm not fucking rewatching Card Player. But the <laughs> goodbye ever working with Dario. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Dario. Card Player's fantastic. I really like the bit with the swingy spikes. Um, <laughs> I think he's basically done. No, right? I know he's out. He's, yeah. he's done. I don't. I don't need to see another three D movie with a praying mantis in it. I mean, we've we've potentially got the Sandman starring Iggy Pop to come, but who knows? Yeah. Although, actually, so I was in I was in Cannes, <laughs> and we were Jen and I were at lunch, and Alan Jones was I don't know if he was with us or if he was just at the next table, but we were sort of convers. We were talking to Alan. Uh, Alan co-runs Fright Fest, which is a, a huge uh, genre festival in the UK. And, and, and actually, Alan Jones and Kim Newman, two uh, 
very great commentary uh, on this very Yes, disc. indeed they do. Yeah. Indeed they do. Alan is essentially Dario's biographer. Like yeah. he's been with Dario since, if not the beginning, then very the early doors. And there is there's really no one who has greater insight into Dario's work. There literally than isn't. Like you, yeah. Like if you if you talk to whoever Dario's best friend is, they would not know as much about Dario's career as Alan does. It's Correct. astonishing. And, and that's what makes the commentary actually so lovely because you've got Alan Jones who knows him personally so well and you've got Kim Newman who has that sharp insight that Kim Newman yeah, has. Absolutely. And that, that insane knowledge. So the combination of those two guys on the commentary on this disc, again, worth buying so for them alone. with that understood, yes, yes. Uh, we were... At a, at a pub, like a cafe kind of thing on the Quasette at Cam and, uh, and a, uh, a flyer landed on our table for a, uh, announcing, <laughs> announcing Dario Argento's Dracula 3D. <laughs> and I said to Alan, what's this all about, Alan? And Alan said, oh, this is some chancer trying something. This isn't really happening. Dario would have mentioned it. This is not real. <laughs> Flash forward to the next year, Dracula 3D is a very real thing. <laughs> and like, in hindsight, I can see why Dario wouldn't have mentioned it to anyone. I want it on the record how much I said that Alan Jones knows about Dario. Oh, he really fucking does. That's yeah. the whole reason this story works. Yes. <laughs> And so I have another question for you, Dan. Oh, go. Oh, um, I didn't do my thing. I didn't talk about the ending. Well, we'll get to it. We'll okay, get all to right. It. But very quickly, another With quiz the hit for target. you. Yeah. One of the producers of this film, uh, a European company called Labrador Films. Right. Can you name any of the other films that they released? Literally, no. I'm setting this up because there's a couple that are quite special to us. Okay. What else has Labrador films made? Uh, Queens of Evil. Oh, my God! I would, okay, so uh, I've just finished work on a short film which was designed by an artist who goes by the name of Crent Abel, mm -hmm. and I was literally gushing at him on set about Queens of Evil. Yeah. And I had to... Queens of Evil is a Ray Lovelock film. What um, makes it special to us? Well, I... I don't know what does make it special to us. We, we love we, it. We it's watched, amazing. We watched it together for the first time. Yeah, for the yeah, we both watched it for the first time together. Exactly. It was a, it was a recommendation from our friend Tony Clark, who's going to become a regular mention on the podcast. Yeah, I went to see him uh, recently, and we were talking about other things, and he was like, "Oh, thanks for the mention on the podcast." So every week, <laughs> not that it's every week, every fortnight, Tony Clark, PsychotronicStore.com. He does come up. <laughs> Yeah, it was a recommendation from Tony. Um, it's an absolutely wonderful film. It's a sort of like, tr like acid trip bananas movie. Ray Lovelock gets a, a flat tire that might be because of the devil and ends up at a house with three women who have portraits of themselves. It's so good. And, <laughs> and at one point, a lady spreads her legs and a hand with a gun in it comes out of her vagina and shoots someone. And it has my favourite ever. We're going to have a conversation here and then we're going to 
essentially pause that conversation <laughs> yes. and go a great distance and then carry on that conversation. It's, it's yeah. honestly, I love it so much. Sam and I regularly talk about the whole, hang on, wait, what were they talking about between that last location <laughs> and this location? Or did they just move in silence? Because it seems like no time has passed and yet they're a mile away. It's so good. <laughs> and the other film, um, which is going to be special to Dan, particularly The Todd Killings. Really? Yeah. Well, it was one of my recommendations recently. Uh, and a was, birthday film. It was a birthday film, yeah. Anyway, so they were both double That's such a weird double, like, triple bill. Yeah. Like, what great. a crazy... It's great. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm going to hit you with some facts before we, we start to wrap up. Do it. So the film stars James Franciscus, who looks so much like Charlton Heston. He was cast in Beneath the Planet of the Apes, um, <laughs> who apparently had a clause in his contract that he couldn't work past six in the evening. Um, really? Which, yeah. What was he? <laughs> he, was just, he, was, he had a book club. <laughs> which, which on a film set is interesting. But his character works for the same newspaper, um, I'm going to try and pronounce this, Payasera, um, that Argento was a film critic for. Oh, really? Um, Payasera? And, and, uh, and, and so Argento um, shot, there, there's a scene in a, a printing press basically, and Argento was able to meet up with old colleagues when he shot that and he found it quite moving. That's nice. Which I think is, is a lovely detail. And the film, another fact, the film stars uh, or features Catherine Spark, um, whose father wrote La Grande Illusion, the Jean Renoir yeah. film, um, which is one of my all-time favourite films, one of the greatest films ever made. Yeah, we've ever talked about that. Um, have we, we've, you've, you've, obviously you've yeah, seen, seen it. it. But yeah. I don't think we've ever talked about it. But yeah. We've never had a conversation it, about it's it. It's astonishing. Yeah, it's an amazing film. And, yeah, Dan, final thoughts as we start to wrap up and lead into recommendations. I'd say... It's in, I mean, obviously it's easily in the top half of Argento's output. Um, I'd say it's, it's maybe his fifth best film. That's without me doing any actual proper ranking. That's a guess. Mm. Um, I do really like it. Like, Argento's fifth best film is a really fucking good film. Um, if you've not seen it and we've started like, telling you what we're going to do so hopefully you have seen it hopefully you liked it hopefully you're not cross that we told you to watch it but um but yeah I, I really do like it it's like i'm a massive fan of giallo and if you're a fan of giallo it's yeah it's an easy sell it doesn't have a stupid reveal <laughs> like a lot of bad giallos and it, and it looks good and it's got a great ending that he kind of redid in four flies on gray velvet but it's um yeah it's a it's a really enjoyable fun thriller with a lot of like whoa how did we not get that moments which I like yeah and um you know uh, for me it was fine oh uh, really that's yeah, all yeah 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 it's, it's fine. fine it's fine I it's a a beautiful print uh, Chiren has never looked better um, it's a beautiful Blu-ray um, for me I enjoyed it yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of um, Carl Malden, uh, who is a bit of a Gene Hackman type in, in terms of he's a great actor who had a reputation for being a bit grumpy. And I, I knew him from sort of noir films like Where the Sidewalk Ends. And actually Argento loved him. 
and considers working with him one of the best experiences. In Which his after his experience with his male life. lead in in Birth Across the Plumage <laughs> is uh, quite a nice, uh, quite a nice turnabout. Yeah, yes. no, exactly. Yeah, like, I think if it had another negative experience, maybe we wouldn't have had as many great Argento films. Well, this is it, and and yeah. So obviously, um, Argento was enjoyed the fact that Carl Morden had this this reputation as being the guy who taught Marlon Brando how to act. And the fact that on, on Cat and Nine Tales, he was, you know, receptive to directors. He could have, you know, he just won an Oscar for Patton, I think, before, okay. before Cat and Nine Tales, just before. Um, so he could have thrown his weight around, but um, I think he's very collaborative. So um, I kind of, you know, I respect that element of it. Yeah, it's it's definitely... If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. Um, I think maybe if it's a revisit for you, the nostalgia will probably make you enjoy it more. But still, if it's a first-time watch, it's as good as any thriller released this year. Um, and, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair assessment, I think. That's a fair yeah. assessment. So, should we move on to recommendations? Yes! Can I go first? <laughs> Is yes, that allowed? Of course is you that can. Allowed? Of course you can. Uh, my first recommendation is the eighth Zatoichi film. Amazing. Uh, <laughs> I, I had Zatoichi, in fact. Which one have you got? It's not, it's not, it's not there. I, I discarded it. But let's recommend. All of Zatoichi. <laughs> yes, if only, sorry, Nick Vestberg. <laughs> who had to put all of the police academy films. <laughs> oh my god you poor bugger yes so those of you who are regular listeners will know about this but we have a wonderful listener our favourite our favourite listener our favourite listener our favourite listener Nick 100% our favourite yeah, listener yeah absolutely who is cataloguing every film we mentioned I mean the poor bastard had to put all of the police academy movies and now <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to mention Every single one of the Zatoichi movies. But, but the thing is, they're all fucking amazing. I mean, they're all incredible. Every yeah. single one of them is a masterwork. But the one I'm specifically recommending yeah, is Fight that? Zatoichi Fight. Well, it's because it's a blind man casting around a child. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, it's works. also one of my favourites. Like yeah, it's yeah. an amazing movie. It's worth uh, acknowledging that it's directed by Kenji Misumi, who directed Lone Wolf and Cub, the first uh, the first Lone Wolf and Cub movie, mm-hmm. which starred um, uh, Shin Tarakatsu's brother. Was yeah. it? Yeah, brother yeah, as yeah, a Gami yeah. Ito. So like, there's a beautiful connection there. Yeah. But um, yeah, Fight Zatoichi Fight is the eighth film. If you aren't familiar with the franchise, I do recommend watching all of them. But if you just want to dip your toe in, it is fine as a standalone movie. Zatoichi sees the the death of a young woman uh, and uh, her last breath is essentially an exchange with him where he promises to take her child to safety. So he takes her newborn kid, uh, which is... Interesting because obviously with uh, with Masumi directing both that and Lone Wolf and Cub, which is about a guy and his kid on this road of revenge. Those of you familiar with that will know it as the origin of the Kill Bill narrative. And that's definitely the most famous like parent child thing. But Five Zatoichi Fight is a is a really nice addition to that canon. Plus Zatoichi is blind, so it fits in with. Cat Nine Tales. Uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a fantastic movie. Well worth checking out. Totally works, and I'm very glad you recommended that. Um, so, my first recommendation is... So, 
uh, Cat Nine Tails really reminded me of Edgar Wallace. Yeah, Creamy I can see that. Films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot of German actors in the cast, basically. And so my recommendation is going to be The Dead Eyes of London, yeah. which, you know, not so coincidentally um, involves blind people. Um, I'm not going to say any more than that. No, I that's fine. That's a, that's a um, really good recommendation. I, all I'm going to say is uh, the tagline to the movie, which is, a city of fear becomes a city of death. How can you not want That's to watch that trailer. movie? So yeah, good uh, Dead Eyes of London from 1961. Uh, what is your next recommendation? So my next recommendation, obviously I would be remiss if one of my recommendations wasn't another Giallo. I'm going to deep end some of you by recommending one of the more weird Giallos, perhaps. Uh, it's a personal favourite. I believe there is a UK Blu-ray due out very soon. There is, I think, already in a German Blu-ray and an American Blu-ray, maybe, if you have uh, multi-regions and can't wait. Uh, it's Death Laid an Egg, uh, which is Great. one of my favourite giallos of all time. Some people say it's slow and boring. To it's, those people I say, not. never talk to me again. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful movie. It's a love triangle uh, set on a battery chicken farm starring Uwe Arlen, uh, who, and Gina Lola Brigida, uh, who are both amazing as the two ladies in the love triangle, uh, and then Jean-Louis Trignant, Trignant, uh, who is, uh, amazing. You'll know him from, uh, things like Three Colors Red, uh, and Amour. He's an ama- they're all amazing. It's amazing. They're amazing performances. It's a super weird, like sort of almost postmodern giallo. Like a lot of the photography choices are slightly weird. I really, really love it. Uh, I'm very excited for it to um, for it to be available in the UK. My uh, I have at home. There was a oh my goodness. How do I explain this? So the first version of the first time I saw Death Laid an Egg was a Greek rental VHS because that used to be the gold mine we could dip into to get like English language versions of uh of weird Italian or Euro films that weren't available in England. Um and then they were always subtitled in Greek. Uh but it was always the English dub for some reason. Uh I saw a, a Greek rental VHS of Death Laid an Egg and the cover was this amazing piece of artwork that has nothing to do with the film. And uh, and for years I was obsessed with this artwork and trying to work out uh, where it was from. And it turns out it was used for a bunch of other films as well. Bloodlawn uh, used it uh, for a, a re-release of that. But it turns out that Full Moon uh, commissioned the painting as a uh, as a pitch picture for a film that never got made. Uh, and it went to Cannes, and it was on their advertising. And then Cine Fantastique magazine, a French magazine, used it as their cover for an issue when they were talking about the Cannes Film Festival. And it's such an amazing image that it got kind of like pulled and then used without rights when, uh, whenever companies were like just looking for a cool bit of artwork to try and sell a movie that was maybe not particularly well known. And a few years ago... Uh, I managed to track down the original piece of artwork, the, like the original painting for that, uh, with the help of a lot of friends. And it's now hanging very proudly in my living room. So I've managed to, I own that bit of artwork. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful picture. It's not on the cover of any of the versions that are available, but, uh, it does have a weird snake woman hybrid creature on it, which has nothing to do with the film. Yeah, it's great. 
But I am going to recommend for my final recommendation um, a Carl Malden film. Who He plays the blind man in uh, Cat and Nine Tales. Uh, it's an early role for him. It's Baby Doll from 1956. Have you seen this one, Dan? No, I have not. It is Tennessee Williams' first original screenplay. Did you choose this because my favourite joke from your stand-up? <laughs> <laughs> can you do that on the can you do that joke now I didn't know that that was your favourite okay it's um, definitely my favourite okay how does it go so this is my my favourite joke Sam I'm very sad he doesn't do this anymore but Sam used to do stand up he was runner up in best newcomer of the year a Correct. few years ago yeah yeah um, at the Leicester tell me, Square Theatre tell, the yeah. tell me the year that you wrote this joke because someone else did a version of it after you and I feel it's important that we just put it on record yes. that your version was first and better <laughs> and better and, and definitely and better because they, they missed it they missed they, the point they did a variation which wasn't as good um, yeah so uh, I wrote this joke in 2010 Wow, um, seven years ago. Yes, so um, almost eight years ago. Yes, so uh, here eight we go. Eight years ago, with this going Like this isn't even like my, you know, I have a separate favorite joke, but this uh, this is fine. Okay, we here we do go. That one as well. Yeah, we'll do that one as well. <laughs> we'll do that one as well. Okay, here we go. Venus Williams has a load of books out, but she doesn't want us to know about it, so she's using a pseudonym. Tennessee Williams. Because <laughs> she's a bit, she's a bit Tennessee. She is a bit Tennessee. <laughs> um, but, but my actual favourite joke, which I opened every set with, was what is it? Okay, here we go. <laughs> it's been a while. Um, I hate it when people boast about killing two birds with one stone. I killed twenty three owls with a brick once, but you don't hear me banging on about it. <laughs> when I walked in, it was an owl sanctuary. When I left, it was the beginnings of a pretty good duvet. That is my best joke. <laughs> there we go. Not sure how we got onto that, but we're gonna go we're gonna go back into the podcast now with, right. with Baby Doll. Baby Doll. From nineteen fifty six. Tennessee Williams. By Tennessee, that's how we got into it. Yeah, Carl Malden. Now the film was uh, nominated for four Oscars. Um, Carl Malden was not amongst the nominees he deserved to be it's a liar Kazan um, so you probably know what you're getting from that director um, but it's incredibly atmospheric um, it, it is kind of like a play um, in, in movie form but brilliant performances really sort of sweaty intense atmosphere and it's basically about um a teenage girl who um has a couple of suitors um who are uh, incredibly inappropriate suitors and she lives in this sort of dilapidated mansion and the drama basically revolves around um those guys but if you haven't seen baby doll from 1956 I highly recommend it. Shall we go nice. into our... Recommendations from things we've watched recently. Yes, and and because we're so limited by time, shall we restrict ourselves to, to one two. E- To one to each. two films each. Uh, I was we can, say... we, we'll rattle through it, we'll rattle through it, it'll be fine. My, uh, my first film that I've watched this week is Huckle. Huckle is an almost dialogue-free film. It's directed by uh, Georgi Palfi, who did Taxidermia, which is probably better known. Which is also great. It's essentially a series of like video, like little video clips 
around a town, each one showing like a little bit of the life of a person. The only time there's any dialogue is it's on the TV in the background or the radio in the background, like no one talks. But if you watch it, you start to realise that there's been a murder and you become the detective nice. in that murder mystery. I first saw this at um, uh, Rain Dance years and years ago, like when it was first new, when it was new out. And um, and I picked it up on DVD for next to nothing in FOP uh, about three or four years ago. I watched it for a second time then, and I watched it again recently. It's an absolutely charming film. If you want a roller coaster action movie, it is definitely not for you. But it's a really, really beautiful, satisfying murder mystery because no one else does any deduction. It's entirely up to you to do all of the work. It's great. That sounds really good. Um, my first recommendation is an Arrow release, uh, The Suspicious Death of a Minor. Oh, um, what a great film. Which I, I just basically watched the Arrow Blu-ray um, in the past couple of weeks. Um, and it's fucking amazing. Isn't it? It's, um, it's, it's just incredible. Like It's a great film already, but the, the Arrow Blu-ray is beautiful. Yes. And, you know, I, I watched it for the first time a long time ago. So this was, you know, my first revisit for a while. And coming off the... It was around the same time that I watched Cat and Nine Tales. And for me, I mean, I love Sergio Martino. He's he's up there with Argento for me. And it's just such a fun film. Like, Yeah, it's amazing. You know, it, it's billed as a giallo, but... Um, it's, oh, it's, it's, it's barely a giallo. No, exactly. It, it's... It's more of a, a police. How do you say that word? Police. Polichetsky. Yeah, it's, it, I'm, I have no idea. That's almost certainly wrong. <laughs> it, that sounds right to me. It's, it's a mixture of that and a comedy and an action film, and it's got a beautiful midpoint. Well, it was written. And I'm, I'm so into It was midpoints. written and directed as a Polichetsky yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it uh, was retitled and marketed as a giallo because that was what was selling. Exactly. Uh, and he goes, there's some nice interviews with the director on the Arrow disc. Yeah. Uh, but I was going to mention it in relation to uh, Cat and Nine Tales, not as a recommendation per se, but just as in reference, because when Cat and Nine Tales gets into its car chase, which I do feel is just a fucking lift from to catch a th- um, Hitchcock's To Catch a Thief, the bits where it breaks from the to catch a thief mold are moments of comedy that it like slapstick that it can't help throwing in to the car chase. Like there's a like an old couple who are trying to cross a road and then one of the cars in the car chase like whooshes past them and they're like, oh no. And then they carry they go back to trying to cross the road and the car following our heroes, the police car, whooshes past them and they go, oh no. And then they just decide to go home. So they turn around and leave. And in uh, Suspicious Death of a Minor, like that car chase the big fucking car chase in the middle of it has got a guy on a, on a push bike being hit by a car and being left riding a unicycle yeah I but mean, it's so slapstick silly and it's massively out of place but it makes it so much more fun for me because it means i don't know what's coming next there's there's genuinely moments in this film that remind me of jacques tati yeah oh it's super tati yeah, yeah i get that um Anyway, next recommendation for you, Dan. Uh, so my next recommendation is a Korean film from 2010. I, uh, it's my second watch. Uh, it's called 71 Into the Fire. Uh, it's directed by John H. Lee. I did the first time and then again went back to check out his catalogue uh, and realised I'd never seen anything else by him. 
So I can't necessarily recommend any of that. I'm sure it's fine. It does drift into the um, uh, the sort of over-emotional uh, melodrama a little bit, mostly in the soundtrack, actually, of South Korean cinema. But it's about, uh, in the during the North-South Korean uh, Civil War, uh, it's about a, uh, a military encampment that becomes a, uh, a point of massive importance in the war. But at that point, it is entirely staffed by like student trainee soldiers. And they all have to just massively get their shit together and, and fight this battle. And it's got some like full on Private Ryan esque, like bleak realism. Oh, yeah. W- like war sequences in amongst what. If you if you took out all of the actual fighting, you'd be forgiven for thinking it was like a a Korean TV drama about military school for kids. Uh, but then it like just punches you in the face with these amazing action sequences. Yeah, it's really worth watching. It's great, amazing. So my next recommendation is uh, another Arrow film. I'm sorry, I'm Ooh, such no, a, it's good, such a shill. But um, this is actually an Arrow Academy film, and I genuinely believe this. I would not say it if I didn't mean it. I feel like Arrow Academy is really competing with Criterion uh, oh, at the moment. Oh, no, absolutely. Um, and so um, they were on literally on a list recently for best boutique. Uh, film releases parentheses not counting Criterion but no no seriously Criterion is the gold standard and Arrow are fucking knocking at the door Arrow Academy for me is aligned with Criterion certainly in the UK and so my uh, recent watch is The Legend of the Holy Drinker have you seen this no I haven't Fuck me, it is incredible it was a a Golden Lion uh, winner at Venice it's it's from the Italian director uh, Amano Olmi, who also did Il Posto and The Tree of Wooden Clogs, which is another great film that's available on Arrow. But let me stick to this one. Um, <laughs> so it, it stars Rutger Hauer. Um, oh, lovely, lovely yeah, Rutger. Um, who, dashing blue eyes. Who apparently De Niro um, wanted this role, um, but Olmi went for Rutger Hauer. Off the back of the Hitcher, uh, weirdly. Wow. Yeah, he, he basically saw potential in Rutger based on that performance, and Hur felt that he, um, he he took the role obviously, but he was a little bit worried about it. He felt that he could do sort of action stuff at that time, whereas Almi was, you know, the way he pitched this film to him was, this is an action film, but. All of the all of the explosions come from your face, <laughs> which is kind of amazing. Like in the Beyond, yeah, and it's, it's <laughs> not really, but yes, Beyond recommendation. Um, Mark it down. Yeah, basically, Legend of the Holy Drinker is about um, a, a drunk who um, gets given a certain amount of money um, from a stranger. Um, on the promise that he basically pays it back to the church, um, to a specific church. And um, basically it kickstarts a kind of a, a change in, in this character. Um, he, he spends the first money on a meal and some booze. Um, but then I really don't want to go into it too much because it's a lovely journey to go on. But kind of imagine a weird version of a christmas carol um but but starring a drunk who tries his very best to repay a debt 
um, and kind of struggles along the way. Uh, it's a beautiful, amazing film, and it's a lovely release from Arrow. Really nice extras, um, beautiful transfer. I'm not saying this because I'm employed by them. I'm saying this because I loved it. I feel like we've 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 established that. We've established we? well, but also we've like we don't automatically love everything they release. Like no, obviously, true. we're not going to choose a movie we don't like to talk about because yeah. there's no fun in lambasting something. Yeah, yeah. But we've talked about stuff that we weren't into. Yeah. As well. I think that's fine. So, that's the end, isn't it? It is. I'm Wait. sorry, I'm, mass- I'm quickly skipping through trying to find the name of a feature that I want to mention off the back of what you were talking about. But I can't, I can't find it. Oh yeah, no, I can. 1986, The Lunatics. Right, so, uh, just off the back of what you were talking about, I just, I know it's not a proper recommendation. I know when we're running over as well, but it, it's The Lunatics, uh, it's by Tung Xing Yi, uh, it stars uh, Chai Yun-Fat, it's one of the first times I saw a movie about like people struggling with mental health. But it's it's talking it's it's two homeless guys uh, in Hong Kong, um, both with obvious drinking problems. Uh, one of them is Chai Yun Fat. It's it's great. I'm I'm gonna try and rewatch it because you've just reminded me of it. I've not great. seen it for a few years. But um, but also everyone else rewatch it with me, and then I'll recommend it to you. And that's a a moot point by that point. Okay, so it's time for extra features. No, there's not. It's not, it's not time for extra features. Yes, what are we is. doing? Say extra features. Extra features. Extra features. Extra features. So, a new thing in extra features, because we are, um, you know, it's, it's hard to get these interviews for extra features. So, a new thing for extra features is we're now going to tell you what the next film that we're going to do is <laughs> in extra That's, features. That is the animated menus of podcast extra features. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Dan. Do you have an interview for us to, to no, bring it? No, I'm not, I'm not by any mean. Like, I'm, I'm acknowledging in that. I'm, there's a tacit acknowledgement that it's hard work to get there, yeah. especially because we're, like, again, blah, 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 Toronto, blah, 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 Dad, it's not fucking happened yet, but I might be going away. Something's happening. But, but the point is, we want to get ahead of the curve. We yeah. don't want to be struggling to get these recorded. So we're, that's why we're double billing. And look, guys, I'll do my best in the future to get interviews and stuff, but we don't have one for this one. So, um, as a special extra separate to the discussion of the film, extra feature, we're going to tell you what we're going to watch next time, which is, drumroll, Blood Rage. Lovely, lovely Blood Rage. Which is freely available. Um, it's out now on Blu-ray via Arrow. If you haven't seen it, oh my God, you're going to have so much fun. And we're going to discuss it in two weeks. Yeah. we uh, Sam recommended it to me. He'd seen it before. I've not seen it. I, I've already seen it. I'll be watching it again before we record the next podcast. Uh, but the first time I saw it was at an Arrow all-nighter, because Arrow oh, programmed so these good. things at the Prince Charles. Uh, Prince Charles Cinema in London. If you're in England or London, you know. If you're in London, you know what the Prince Charles is. But if you're in England, the Prince Charles is a, or not in England, you know, around the world. Um, the Prince Charles is a, a lovely independent cinema that uh, that plays great retrospective films as well as new stuff, and uh, they often accommodate Arrow's uh, amazing catalogue uh, into their lineup. And they did a slasher all nighter. Uh, a little while ago that Sam and I attended we got to introduce the burning there which was nice uh, as they're at that point fresh faced and excitable new hosts of the Arrow podcast yeah um, it, uh, uh, podcast fans that was where we were announced yeah that was where we were announced wasn't yeah. it uh, yeah and um, and it was my first viewing of it and it's it's bananas it's great it fun so, so we'll fun. talk about that next time we will and uh, between now and then 
Twitters, Dan. Twitters. How do you? How would one follow you? Uh, so it's uh, it's the at sign. That's like an A, but then it's got like the bottom of the A goes up and then back round like a circle around the A. I Weird. think it's near the. T- is it the two? I've got my computer here. Yeah, it's above the two on a Mac. I think it's somewhere else on a PC. We're literally trying so to that's cut that. this down for time. <laughs> and then thirty finger effects. Yeah, wow, I'm done. No. <laughs> so it's, it's the circle A, and then thirteen. The numbers one, three. Uh, finger effects. F I N G E R F for Foxtrot. X for X Ray. I will post a, a collection of dog pictures and politics and film. And for me, I mean, you'll have to use the, the, the concept of gravity in order to draw your finger down slowly onto the keys. Sorry, I'm just trying to be you right now, Dan. <laughs> I am, bad at it. <laughs> I am at Sam Ashurst. I am S-A-M-A-S-H-U-R-S-T. And if you follow me, my goodness... The world's riches will be <laughs> At your un- door. unleashed before you. You'll get your heart's deepest desire. Though, be warned, your heart's deepest desire may be contrary <laughs> to what you believe it what is. And it may actually be a curse instead of a blessing. But despite that, follow me on Twitter. Yeah. I love you. Subject to term and con- terms and conditions. Heart's, yeah. <laughs> heart's deepest desire. Subject to terms and conditions. Look, it just could be nasty. That's Maybe all. Sam's hot. <laughs> it, it, could be, it could be a monkey's paw. That's all I'm saying. But do still follow me. Right, good. Thank you so much for listening. We are done. We love you. We promise to be more professional next time. Oh, that's beginning to ring hollow. Like a... <laughs> we do. We do. We promise to be more professional next time. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.